Welcome to your province, your premier. I'm Wayne Nelson, your host and moderator. In Calgary, the show is broadcast on 770 CHQR and in Edmonton on 630 CHED. Every Saturday morning at this time, I'll be speaking with Premier Jason Kenney about some of the issues of the day. But keep in mind, this is really your opportunity to speak with him, to ask your questions, to voice your concerns, and to raise issues that you feel need to be addressed. It's your chance to speak with the premier one-on-one, whatever's on your mind. But keep it short. Keep it respectful. You'll also have to be patient because we get a lot of calls and a lot of text. And if a question has already been asked by a previous caller, you won't be able to ask it again. Premier Kenny wants to hear from you right now. You can call or text in Calgary at 403-974-8255. In Edmonton, 780-496-0063. And across the province at 1-800-563-7770. Premier Kenny, welcome to the show. Great to be back, Wayne. Thanks very much. This past week started with the slap heard round the world, Will Smith slapping comedian Chris Rock at the Oscars over Rock's comment about Smith's wife's, yet somehow you, Mr. Premier, got caught in the aftermath. We'll talk about that. But first, it was April Fool's Day yesterday. No joke when the Trudeau government's carbon tax levy took effect as planned, despite a request from Alberta not to go through with it. The Alberta government's gas tax reduction was also announced yesterday. Knew that was coming, so no surprise there. But you'd think that you, the Premier, would at least get some credit for that. But no, even that program has its critics. And we'll talk about that. And finally, no joke, Danielle Smith is back. In, in politics, or at least she has announced her intention to re-enter politics. Some of our listeners really did think the announcement was indeed an April Fool's joke. Now, nevertheless, does Smith's announcement change the dynamic of the leadership review or your approach to it? Well, first off the top, I got to say the worst April Fool's joke yesterday is a prank I pulled on myself, getting my nozzle stuck in my my uh, gas tank, which was oh. awkward. I, something you've done a thousand times, and then I decided to screw that up in front of a bunch of TV cameras. But anyway, pressure the, was on. The joke was on me. Um, so you mentioned a lot there uh, on the gas tax. Yeah, you're right. We have uh, paused or suspended Alberta's 13 cent a liter gas tax as long as we have high oil prices, and that's a big savings. Uh, we already had the lowest gas prices in the country. This takes it down by 13 cents a litre, and I'm glad to see the retailers have tracked that price down, and, and so we uh, we saw prices come down by about 11 cents across Alberta yesterday. Unfortunately, the difference was the federal gas or carbon tax going up by yeah. 25%. Um, and, uh, you know, on an annualized basis, this is big money. It's like $1.4 billion in savings. Sure, but there's those critics that say, hey, this is really our money anyways, and, and so what's the big deal? Well, th- th- I agree. That's why I'm. <laughs> that's why I'm a guy who helped to start the Canadian Taxpayers Federation 30 years ago. I do think that people should be able to keep more of their own money. This is not a gift from the government. It is a recognition that uh, we are in a surplus, and we have high commodity prices from which the the province benefits, uh, and people are being squeezed with the cost of living. Now, the b- fundamental difference that we're seeing in our politics these days uh, is there are parties, the Liberals and NDP, who believe people should be punished for buying energy and uh, living normal lives. And we just fundamentally disagree, especially when we're living through 30-year high inflation. Now, how do you ensure compliance on this? You said you're going to uh, watch it like a hawk. Uh, Is there really anything you can do legislatively? Well, listen, there. it's illegal for companies to collude in setting prices high. So it, it, with that law in place, uh, and there's the, you know, uh, that's monitored by the feds, but we'll monitor it as well. Uh, if we ever see any, any evidence of price rigging, we would uh, take legal action. But 
this is a competitive market, and uh, there are retailers who always want to skew low on the price. They're going to reflect the gas uh, the gas tax savings. We've seen it right across the province. Now, prices will go up and down to reflect the overall commodity price. But the bottom line is, yesterday, uh, gas prices went up by $0.06 cents a litre on average in Toronto, and they dropped by $0.11 cents a litre on average here in Alberta. So the savings are getting passed on. There was some discussion yesterday on uh, Ted Henley's talk show uh, that Diesel may not have been impacted by this uh, gas tax reduction. Uh, I, I, sorry, I didn't get to hear the end of that conversation with Ted. But can you give us further clarification on that? Yeah, the diesel uh, tax of thirteen cents is also uh, suspended yesterday, and the tax on marked fuel for farmers as well. All right. Now, getting back to my first question, Danielle Smith, her announcement does that change the dynamic of your leadership review? No, I I don't think so. I look. I think United Conservative members are going to get ballots uh, later this uh, in April to uh, decide whether or not we stay united as a party and move forward together with the responsible mainstream Conservative government that's getting things done, or if they want to go into a, a, an era of division all over again. And uh, as I travel across the province, I'm being encouraged by the folks I meet who are happy with a government that's kept 90 percent, nearly 99 percent of our campaign commitments, balanced the budget, uh, that uh, they they want to carry on with Alberta leading Canada in economic growth and not get sidetracked by internal political divisions a year before an election. All right. Now, uh, I've just got a couple more questions, then I will hit the phones, and uh, we got lots of text messages. Uh, Smith raised the issue of those mail-in ballots again. You just uh, brought that up. It's an issue that really doesn't appear to be going away in, in terms of the, the controversial side of things. Now, Smith says in-person polling stations could have been and still could be set up around the province for those members who want to vote. So were in-person polling stations even considered? And... The bigger question is, what do people have against mail-in ballots? Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, on the first question, uh, our elected board of party volunteers that governs the party, they can. St- I think believe they did consider uh, setting up balloting locations, but felt that this was the more secure way that everybody could participate. If you, even if you have a balloting, you know, later on today and going up all the way up to Lacrete, one end of that riding Peace River is like uh, five, six hours away from the other end. So uh, setting up balloting locations doesn't necessarily make it any more convenient for a whole lot of people, particularly in rural areas. Uh, It's a huge volunteer um, demand uh, to set that up uh, in dozens of locations across the province in in very short time. But here's the thing about a mail ballot. Uh, It gets mail, you you get the ballot, you have to include in a separate envelope a uh, image of your government-issued photo ID. It goes to Deloitte Touche, a globally recognized uh, accounting firm. They hold the ballots. They're then opened in the presence of scrutineers uh, from all sides, and uh, it's a very secure process. It's the same process that the federal conservatives have used in their last two um, leadership elections. So, and we've accepted the results of those. This is a this is the most convenient and secure way, I believe, for people uh, to be able to vote right across the province. All right, let's get to the phones, and we're going to go to Gail first. Uh, Gail, boy, you're bringing up something that's uh, <laughs> it, it's it's really been on the radar for months now. So, go ahead. You're on with Premier Kenny. Right. Sorry to bring COVID back around again, but I want to tell you, first of all, I have a background in microbiology. And uh, I think the worst thing that happened in my thinking that ASAHS overstepped their authority. What you did was you changed my doctor-patient relationship forever. You would not allow him to prescribe a certain drug however he wanted to. 
you said he had to order such and such or he couldn't order this. And another thing that happened um, after I got COVID, he was not allowed to order any kind of antibody test because he said the government would not allow him to do that. You had said that you were going to look into antibody testing. I never saw anything of the such. You just went along with the whole flow of the world, and you you you, you uh, picked and choose what country you wanted to listen to or, uh, you know, that kind of thing. All right, and Dale, you've, a- thing- you've asked a lot of questions there. Let's allow the Premier to, uh, to tackle one or two of them. Yeah, thank you, Gail. Okay. So, uh, Gail, just to uh, be clear... Uh, you, you suggested that I, I get by, by by which I think you mean the government of Alberta uh, dictated what drugs physicians could prescribe or what tests they could uh, authorize. Um, to be absolutely clear, the government itself has nothing to do with the patient uh, uh, physician relationship. That is governed by an independent regulatory body. It's called the uh, Alberta College of Physicians and Surgeons. It's made up of uh, people appointed by the doctors across the province, and and they are responsible for overseeing the uh, professional and ethical uh, conduct of the profession of physicians. They determine what the parameters are. And secondly, um, in terms of drugs that are um, authorized, those are regulated by Health Canada. So the government of Alberta is not involved either in the regulation of drugs nor the regulation of physicians. Those are both done independently, and you don't want the government involved. You don't want politicians deciding uh, who have no expertise in uh, pharmaceuticals or in medical science making those decisions. On on the question of antibody testing, it is it is available in Alberta. Um, in fact, uh, I, I know uh, people who have been able to purchase uh, antibody tests, and uh, so there is no government restriction prohibiting people from accessing those. All right, Gail, we're going to uh, thank you for your questions. And Mr. Kenny, we're going to have to pause for a break right now. I'm Wayne Nelson, and I'll be back with Premier Jason Kenny and more of your calls and texts when we return on Your Province, Your Premier. Welcome back to Your Province, Your Premier, airing every Saturday morning from 10 till 11 for listeners throughout Alberta, right here on Calgary on 770 CHQR and in Edmonton on 630 Ched. I'm Wayne Nelson, your host and moderator, and it's your opportunity to voice your concerns to address issues you feel are important to ask questions directly with the Premier one-on-one. In Calgary, call or text 403-974-8255 in Edmonton, 780-496-063-0063 and across the province, 1-800-563-7770. All right, we're going to the phones right now and uh, we have a lot of phone calls. We have a lot of texts, so please be patient. We're going to start off with Daryl. Oh, Daryl, Mountain Standard Time. Uh, go for it. Darryl? Yeah, Mr. Premier, uh, I think it's time to get Alberta back on Mountain Standard Time to to get it in the, into the path of the sun. The sun path across Alberta favors Mountain Standard Time, not daylight time. All right. Thanks for the comment, Daryl. Uh, Mr. Premier, uh, your response, sir. Well, as you know, we had a, a referendum on that in October, and uh, the idea of staying on the clock was narrowly defeated 
by, I think, less than one percentage point. I think this is, you and I have talked about this before, Wayne, it's something we may have to come back and reconsider in the future, just because all of our neighbours are going uh, to fix the clock and, and not, not move back and forth every right. six months. So we've got uh, Sask is obviously there, BC is going in that direction, uh, Washington, Montana, Oregon, California, Idaho, and um, I understand Yukon. So uh, if we're going to be the lone man out in Western North America, it's going to be a problem. So that's something we may have to come back to in, in a few years' time for sure. All right, quick text message uh, from Calgary. Good morning, Premier. A very important quality of a leader is the ability to reflect on past mistakes. Could you please tell us about personal reflections you've done in your time as Premier, what mistakes you've made, and any regrets you may have from those mistakes? That's a great question. So, yeah, I, I, you know, if you're... I think it's a good point. If you're a good leader, you do reflect on what mistakes you've made and how you can course correct for those. I, I would say one, uh, you know, COVID, we're, we're still learning uh, about the disease in so many ways. One thing I would say is that um, we, last summer, we were too quick to declare victory and say that uh, COVID was done uh, when clearly we uh, got hit hard by the Delta wave. And so uh, one thing I've learned is, is not to ima- imagine that I have a crystal ball, to have the humility to recognize that this disease keeps changing and there are factors both beyond our knowledge and control uh, and just to recognize that. Um, and uh, so we've been very clear in, in this round that while we hope and, and have good reason to believe that the worst of it is behind us, we don't know for sure. And we have to be prepared to be flexible and to address uh, circumstances as they arise. All right. One further text related to that. Uh, Premier, this is Doug. Uh, Doug's uh, texting us from Calgary. What's the provincial stance on second boosters? Theresa Tam on the news last night was recommending them for people 50 years old and older. Have not heard anything from Alberta. Thanks. Yeah, we have been making fourth shots available to people who are highest at risk, some of the most elderly people and people who are immunocompromised with particular medical conditions. And I anticipate that we'll be getting advice from the Alberta Advisory Committee on Immunization to have a wider uh, access to fourth doses for uh, the elderly more generally in the population. Uh, But I would say, Wayne, my bigger concern right now is that only about half of the people who got uh, a second shot in Alberta have gotten their third. at their booster shot and uh, so we're at about 45 percent of the adult population with that booster and and that may make some people who uh well, a little more vulnerable to severe outcomes from COVID-19. Um, what we're seeing in European countries that have been hit by this so-called BA2 wave is uh, that it is not overwhelming the hospitals in areas where they have high booster shot coverage. So I just I would just recommend uh, the people, if they, they want to um, protect themselves from future variants and waves, that that third shot is, is the best way of doing so. All right. Uh, we're going to go back to the phones. And here's a question that we've uh, we've sort of dealt with uh, previously on on other shows, but it's reared its head again. Uh, Jerry, uh, you're on the line with Premier Kenny, and you have a question regarding Aish. Go ahead. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you today? Good, thanks, Jerry. Yep. Uh, um, I have two... um, Well, one is more of a statement. Uh, Last weekend, you uh, were addressed with the question of indexation of Aish. Um, you seem to have compared us to other provinces and to us in northern Alberta, I don't care. I I, I don't care if we're um, more lucrative than B.C. I worked 35 years in this province. 
to keep trains rolling. And now I've been told I can't work anymore. Uh, I don't know the last time you bought a loaf of bread for three bucks or four liters of milk for six now. Um, 99.9% of the people standing in line for two hours at the food bank are on age because we can't make it. Uh, my second thing is why did you change the payment date till the first of the month? All right. I am a voice of one, but I speak for many. It was three business days before, so we could handle our 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 bills and know where we stood. I get my phone cut off every thirty days because that's all I can afford. And I'm sure people on Pay and Talk will tell you the same thing. All right. It's a thirty day plan. Jerry, you made and, some, uh... and you changed the date. Jerry, you've, um, you've made some good questions. Uh, let's let Premier Kenny respond. Thank you for your call. Yeah, thanks, Jerry. Uh, the On the question of the changing the date, my understanding is that's what the Auditor General had recommended in terms of when those expenses are booked, because that does have an impact on, on the fiscal year and when the money is actually expended. Um, so we try, obviously, to comply with those accounting principles uh, from the Auditor General. And on the, uh, the question of indexation, well... Um, the reality is that uh, Ace had never been indexed until um, it was announced just before the last election. The NDP government actually did not do that through their four years. Um, and uh, we're, we actually, you know, we do provide, I do think it is relevant, uh, Jerry, when we look at the social benefits and the whole suite of, of benefits to people, including uh, people um, uh, who are coping with uh, disabilities, that uh, we do have by far the most generous benefits in Canada. Uh, and uh, in fact, it's about 40% more generous here than in the rest of the country, which is a, a good thing. And we want to keep it that way, but we need to make sure these programs are sustainable. We had to bring our overall spending under control. Now, having said that, the H budget is projected to go from uh, 1.3 billion uh, the, in the fiscal year that just ended to 1.5 billion over the next couple of years. So there will be a higher spending on that. And I would just also point out that um, the the number of people receiving the H benefit has been growing twice as fast as our population. So, um, you know, we, we are very generous in terms of the criteria and relative to the rest of the country in terms of the funding. Of course, there are a whole lot of other uh, social benefits available to folks who can't work and who need, need particular help. All right, back to the texts, and this one from Edmonton. Uh, my question, as a 27-year-old laid-off oil and gas worker who can't find work and doesn't see a bright future for myself in Canada, my question is, why should I stay here in Canada when you, Premier Kenny, aren't doing anything of substance to stand up for my province of Alberta and our biggest industry when I could move to Alaska or somewhere else where there is lots of oil and gas work? Well, I'm sorry, what's the name of that caller? I don't have okay. a, a name. I, I'm sorry to hear he's having trouble finding work because all I hear from the folks in the oil and gas sector is what's holding back their new investments is is not having enough workers. So there does appear to be a bit of a disconnect there in, the la- in our labor market, which we've got to figure out. And that's why in our budget, we put forward the Alberta Works Initiative, which is to help uh, with up, up skill upgrading and uh, for people who are underemployed and, and helping to connect them to those jobs that are out there. I can tell you there's been an 80% increase in drilling activity this year over last. Um, and we, uh, uh, we've seen 
a huge growth in the industry, uh, which will likely con- continue with these relatively high commodity prices. In terms of what we've done, well, my goodness, uh, usually I get criticized for doing too much for the oil and gas sector. We've uh, helped with the, uh, the financial health of, of the sector, with the job creation tax cut, with our red tape reduction initiative. We've sped up approvals for permits and uh, because Alberta was just taking too long to get things approved. Um, we brought in the royalty guarantee to remove any uncertainty about the future of uh, operating in Alberta. Um, we brought in the billion-dollar well reclamation program uh, to get blue-collar folks in the service industry back to work. We've got um, three pipelines within the province under construction right now. The Enbridge Line 3 was completed. Last month, we shipped and produced more oil out of Alberta than ever in our history. So uh, I would just say um, that uh, there are a lot of good employers out there looking for good people, and I, and I hope you get connected to one of them. All right, uh, back to the phones. Uh, Mary, on a related call, I think, uh, support for workers question. Mary, go ahead. You're on with Premier Kenny. Good morning, Premier Kenny. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I would like to know the process I should expect to see for the Novavax vaccine rollout. When should I anticipate it? And relevant to this, what is the UPC doing to protect and support Alberta's workers who industry is regulated by the federal mandates and therefore can't work, specifically transportation, aviation? Thank Thank you for your call, Mary. Okay, thank you, uh, Mary. So on uh, Novavax or any other um, potential COVID vaccines, they have to be approved by Health Canada as the regulator. um, And then we wait for advice from the Alberta Advisory Committee on Immunization about um, making those available. So I understand that in late February it was authored, there was conditional authorization granted by Health Canada for Novavax. And um, we depend, the federal government kind of is monopolizing all of this sourcing, the um, procurement of, of vaccine doses. So if they can get us uh, a supply and uh, the advisory committee approves it, we'll certainly make that available to people. There's a number of other vaccines available, as you know, Johnson & Johnson, and uh, um, of course the two mRNAs, as well as AstraZeneca. So uh, we, there's a lot of choice out there. On the second question, um, there's not anything we really can do on federal mandates in their uh, regulated industries, which includes things like transport industries. Um, we have uh, passed a motion in the legislature calling on the feds to drop their pointless uh, travel restrictions, which impacts, for example, cross-border truckers. And uh, unfortunately, the NDP here voted against that. Um, but uh, there is, um, you know, we just don't have the legal authority to stop the feds in their areas of regulation, just as we try to stop them from interfering in our areas of authority. All right. Back to the phones. And Dale has been hanging on for quite some time. Uh, Dale, you have an interesting question. Go ahead, sir. Well, Mr. Kenny, good morning to you, sir. Shabbat Shalom. Good Shabbos. And I I think it's a disgrace the way uh, people of this province and even within your party have been against you. And I'd like to impart a blessing on you this morning. No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper, and every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment, thou shalt condemn. I'm reading from Isaiah 54, 17. And another thing I'd like to say, I'm, uh, I'm calling from coal country. I was an underground miner for 13 years. Excellent way to employ people, to give people a sense of self-esteem and uh, independence. And uh, I do 
respectfully disagree with any policy to open up any open pit mines, particularly in southwestern Alberta, where we have already have uh, water need, watershed protection, sustainable logging, sustainable grazing, and tourism, sustainable industries. People say we can't go underground. I did it. <laughs> I know we can. All right. If necessary. If necessary. Dale, thank you. Yeah, thank you, Dale, for that uh, that kind word. Uh, and uh, on on coal, as you know, we, we have developed coal resources in Alberta since uh, European folks arrived here, hundred oh, starting in the 1870s, really, I think, along the eastern slopes and in other parts of the province. It has to be done in an environmentally responsible way. We've reaffirmed the uh, policy from 1976, li- having listened to Albertans. They didn't want any there to be any doubt about it, that in sensitive ecosystems along the uh, eastern slopes. There there uh, should not be coal mining, but um, there's a, a process b- based on uh, the, the, some of the world's most stringent environmental and water quality regulations, both provincial and federal, uh, to assess existing uh, applications or projects. Um, and I think we can figure out how to do this in a responsible way in the future as, as we have in the past. But you have only put a pause on coal mine exploration and development. Well, it all depends on where the land is, uh, Wayne. I think that this is a complex area that it gets often reduced to bumper stickers. The reality is that there are, there are sensitive ecosystems where we don't want there to be any coal mining and where we won't be receiving applications. Uh, there are other areas where it, it is not uh, as much of an issue for the environment and where responsible development could happen, but it still has to go through any application, has to go through a rigorous process. Uh, there was a, a project... Um, that was declined through a joint federal-provincial panel uh, down in south-west uh, Alberta uh, last year. It was, it was rejected after five years of exhaustive study, despite the strong support of the local community and, and, uh, and the First Nation, the Pecani First Nation. So, you know, the, there is very, very stringent environmental regulation, water quality regulations, but what we will not do is accept applications in areas that are um, in, in very sensitive ecosystems along the eastern uh, slopes. All right. Mary has been hanging on here for a long time. Uh, Mary Ann, go ahead. Hi, Premier Kenny. Um, I have a, a quick comment before my question. Um, majority of Canadians know that Stephen Harper was a good prime minister. He was pragmatic, practical, logical, and um, it didn't hurt that he had a master's in economics. And Prime Minister Harper saw fit to um, give you the position of first parliamentary secretary to him, and then, as well, three ministerial portfolios. Um, contrasting that with Brian Jean, who um, was mi- secretary to a minister of transport and then resigned his seat in 2014, um, it somewhat seems that he's an opportunistic politician coming back into Alberta. But my question is, I know the vote is going to occur soon and uh, my question to you is um, what would you say to Albertans who happen to be listening um, to convince some of them who maybe aren't convinced at this point whether you're the best choice uh, for Premier versus Brian, somebody like Brian Jean? All right, Mary. Mary Ann, well, sorry. Yeah, thank, thank you, Mary Ann. Well, 
You know, there is not a leadership election right now, so that's not a question that members are facing. The question is whether we go into a leadership election. And, and my view is doing so right now would uh, be very divisive. Back in 2005, uh, Ralph Klein, after having won four majorities, uh, eliminated the deficit and the debt, brought in the Alberta advantage, and uh, led Canada in economic growth for a decade, uh, went to a leadership review, uh, barely got over 50%, resigned, and we went into a cycle of incredible, of a decade of division in the conservative side of Alberta politics. Four leaders of the PC party, constant backstabbing and recriminations, and uh, then ultimately two uh, parties on the right of centre that handed government to the NDP. Um, if we were to have a leadership election right now, I predict that most of it would be about people's frustration and anger over COVID. And it would be an incredibly divisive uh, debate, which would not be focused on the priorities of most Albertans, which are economic growth, coping with the cost of living, and issues like that. This is a government, you know, this is a still a new party, and we should be um, mindful of that. You know, unity did not happen by accident. It took a lot of hard work. And I would just say, let's let's not mis- repeat the mistakes of a decade of division on the cons- in the conservative movement. This government is doing what it said it would do. We have implemented nearly 90% of our election commitments. We've balanced the budget. We're leading the country in economic growth. Um, and uh, I, I just hope that, that members will say that we need to carry on in that direction and not drive our party into the ditch of division. All right. One more question here, a Heritage Trust Fund question from Wayne. Go ahead, Wayne. Okay, I got a, a few things. Make it quick. Uh, with Make the it quick. surplus money that we have as a provincial government, can you uh, tell me where part of that will go on? I'm thinking uh, some to pay the half to pay the deficit and the other half to put into the Heritage Trust Fund. I think as a resident of this province, born and raised in Edmonton, that uh, we should increase the Heritage Trust Fund because that is our for our rainy day. Yeah. And today is a rainy day, and therefore we don't have to uh, take the taxes off the gas where you could still get the money coming into the, the government. But let's build up our nest egg, as some people call it. And also, too, uh, uh, what about the tailing ponds in uh, Fort McMurray? Uh, how are they going to be reclaimed? And thank you for listening to me. And uh, it's nice to talk to you, Premium, because uh, us citizens don't get to talk to you one-on-one like this. And yeah. thank you for that. No, I, I, I want to thank you, Arne Shed, for making that possible. Uh, I'm really enjoying the direct input from folks. Uh, I, I totally agree with you on the first point there about putting away surpluses in our savings account. Um, and uh, I said this recently to municipal politicians. They were all, many of them were getting out their shopping list. And I said, folks, we haven't even booked a surplus yet. Uh, and we don't know if this is a boom, we don't know how long it's going to last. So let's be, uh, let's think about the long-term future. And if there's one big mistake that's been made in recent decades in Alberta, it's this, that we did not have more discipline to put away surpluses when times were good. And uh, and so as a result, the Heritage Fund is only $18 billion in value. Uh, it could have been worth north of $100 billion and generated income uh, to help us with downturns uh, for generations to come. That's what I would love it to be. So my intention is um, that if we do get uh, a, a number of surpluses in the years to come, please, I sure hope we do with strong economic growth, that we would have the discipline to put a, a big chunk of that into the Heritage Fund 
lockbox it, inflation protect it, maybe require something like a supermajority so it can't if, before it can be spent or, or reallocated, um, and then it's generating revenue for for decades to come. Uh, agree with you on that. On on tailing ponds, um, that is a huge issue, and we're working closely with the First Nations, uh, the RM of Wood Buffalo, and the uh, oil and gas companies on an uh, environmentally sensitive plan. There's a number of inc- interesting proposals, including one to build a, a pipeline to take some of that um, material off and to, and to inject it safely in uh, a saline reservoir. But um, there's a lot of different technologies that are improving how we can manage environmental liabilities like that. And it's one of the top priorities, I know, for our environment ministry. All right, Premier Kenny, we're getting a little bit of uh, flack here on a couple of text messages uh, regarding the questions. So before I let you answer, uh, and here's sort of my question, I want to let our listeners know that we have really no way of telling who is calling in or texting. Some could be party plants. Hey, maybe. Could be plants from other parties. That's possibility, too. The point is, we have no way of knowing. Uh, I have a text message, Mr. Kenny. I'm a 24-year-old in Calgary, wondering if the leadership goes your way and you were given the mandate, how you are going to unify the party again to prevent 2015 from happening all over again. Yeah, thank you. So, a very good question. And I I think the way we unite uh, is to... Focus on the things that we hold in common. Um, you know, we, we obviously in, in Alberta, there's a we saw this through COVID, a huge polarization of views about how best to deal with it. I don't think we're going to unite if we decide to debate, spend the next few years arguing over COVID. I think we should uh, let that recede into the rearview mirror and focus on the future as we lead Canada in economic growth, diversify this economy. Uh, hopefully, we're, uh, we'll be maintaining balanced budgets, uh, building a stronger province. So I think it's by focusing on those issues, those issues that unite uh, conservatives and I think most Albertans as well. Um, you know, I uh, I was very involved in the effort successfully to unite uh, federal conservatives alongside Stephen Harper and spent three years of my life crisscrossing the province uh, building this united party. So uh, we just have to have respect for one another, not focus on the, on the relatively small number of issues that divide us, focus on, on those things that unite us as Albertans. All right, we have time for one quick call before we go to break, and this one is from... Uh, John, uh, John on uh, diabetic medications. Go ahead, John. Hi, Premier Kenny. Hello, John. Hi, I uh, have been a diabetic. I'm on my 55th year as a diabetic. I uh, get uh, prescribed drugs, the insulins, all covered. But uh, for uh, 40 years, I bought the one-touch strips and the needles, and I paid for every strip and every needle myself. And I'm just wondering why the provincial government uh, and Blue Cross especially do not allow diabetics to have their supplies along with their insulins to go um, and be a good diabetic. All right. You know, it cost me about 1500 bucks a year to hmm. buy those supplies, and uh, none of it's ever been covered. Although I worked for a hospital for a while. I was covered 100% then, but uh, that's the only time that I've ever been covered. Premier Kenny, we just have a uh, few, if you could make this response uh, as quick as possible. Thanks. Well, uh, thank you, John. Just to be clear, the the provincial government doesn't control what Blue Cross decides to insure. And uh, I think there are different plans that are offered out there that provide different kinds of supplementary care. But uh, but thank you for raising that. I do know that we did expand recently 
um, access to important medication for children with diabetes. And I've heard from some parents saying that was really a, a lifesaver as well as the um, as those monitors that uh, that some people have uh, that, that that can be used with with children with diabetes, and that's really helped to control their, uh, their their the management of their diabetes. So we have done some things, particularly on the pediatric side. All right. If you have questions for Premier Kenny, if you have concerns or issues you feel need to be addressed, phone or text 403-974-8255 in Calgary in Edmonton seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three and across the province one eight hundred five six three seventy seven seventy. I'm Wayne Nelson with Premier Jason Kenny. We'll be back to wrap things up in our final segment on Your Province, Your Premier. Wayne Nelson back with you as host and moderator of Your Province, Your Premier, a new show for listeners throughout the province every Saturday morning from 10 till 11 in Calgary on 770 CHQR and at Edmonton on 630 Ched. Got something you want to bring to the Premier's attention? A concern or an issue? A specific question you'd like the Premier to answer? Well, this is your opportunity to chat one-on-one. Just phone or text 403-974-8255 in Calgary, in Edmonton, 780-496-0063, and across the province, 1-800-563-7770. Mr. Premier, uh, Brendan has been hanging on the phone here for almost half an hour, so we're going to go to Brendan first. Uh, Brendan, I hope you're still there. Go ahead. You're on with Premier Jason Kenney. Uh, hello, Premier Kenny. Thanks for taking my call. Thanks for your patience, Brendan. I got a question about COVID. I know you're sick of answering these. <laughs> I'm sure people are uh, sick of asking them, but uh, we just need to know where you stand on this. So it's been said by you and your government that logistically it's difficult uh, to include natural immunity into the vaccination passport system earlier on. And as COVID has progressed, new tools are coming online. Uh, it's possible to get, like a last caller said, uh, a qualitative or quantitative antibody test from, I think, Icor Blood Services, a really good a company, Alberta company. Mm-hmm. Um, will, so my question is, will the government, you and your government, acknowledge natural immunity for COVID and include it in possible future vaccination passports? So the answer is we do acknowledge uh, that natural immunity or technically what you call antibodies acquired through prior infection uh, can be very protective. And uh, there is uh, there was a major study done by the Maccabees Health Management Group in Israel, which underscored that as have a number of other studies. Um, the same studies point out that having had infection plus having had vaccines is the the most uh, effective way of avoiding uh, severe outcomes from COVID-19. But we have, Brendan, recognized uh, the value of uh, the protective value of prior infection in our policy. For example, in the way that we, um, when we had um, self-isolation requirements, we have said that, you know, if you have had an infection, you can for four months and then four months, the next four months after recovery, if you've been in close contact with somebody who's tested positive for COVID, you don't need to self-isolate. So our own policy has recognized the protectiveness of natural infection. I did ask our officials to see if we could replicate what Israel did um, with their green pass to incorporate proof of um natural infection as part of the uh, proof of vaccination program. Uh, but they came back and said it's just logistically impossible to do that here because we'd have to, the, the antibody levels, uh, obviously they change over time. Um, and we all always allowed people to have a negative uh, test option. Finally, Brendan, I would say we don't have any intention of bringing back a, a proof of vaccination program. Uh, I think we have good reason as we observe the rest of the world to believe that the worst of COVID is behind us. And we do now know that certainly with Omicron, people who are vaccinated, 
um, can uh, easily be infected or transmit. They're much less likely to get severe outcomes. But recognizing that, I don't think uh, that proof of vaccination programs have any uh, defensible uh, rationale any longer. Back to the text. Uh, switching gears here. How do you think the new federal green fantasy emissions reduction program will affect the Alberta economy within uh, the next five years? Uh, we don't have uh, a name on this text message, but we have the question. Yeah, this. if you're talking about the so-called federal emissions plan that was tabled by the former Greenpeace radical Stephen Guibault this week, it is, if they actually try to implement that, would be catastrophic for the Canadian economy. Uh, it's a full frontal attack on the 800,000 people who work in the energy sector, uh, our largest uh, industry in Canada. Uh, if you don't like the today's carbon tax at $50 a ton, just wait, because that policy implies a carbon tax of like $400 a ton, according to a study done by Environment Canada, which would basically make the basics in life prohibitively expensive. Um, it they implicit in that plan, or ex, I should say explicit, is a reduction in oil and gas production, which would just shift energy production from Canada to places like Putin's Russia and the OPEC dictatorships. This policy is it's nuts. Uh, it, uh, it and is just an even more ambitious emissions target on top for a federal government that since Kyoto was signed in 1997 has failed eight times to meet eight less uh, ambitious emissions targets. So I, I think it, you know, we are going to uh, fight this with everything that we've got. We think implicit in it is a violation of our exclusive power to regulate the production of our resources. A key part of that fight will be the decision of the Alberta Appeal Court on our constitutional challenge to the C-69 No More Pipelines law. We should be seeing that decision shortly. All right. Uh, back to the phones. And uh, Les, you are on the air with Premier Jason Kenney. Go ahead, sir. Good morning, Mr. Premier. Uh Premier Kenny. Hey. Um, I'm calling about Alberta Blue Cross changes you made about a year and a half to two years ago. Okay. Basically regarding the age requirement. I have a co-worker that's 69 and his wife is just about 64. And he has to keep working because he can't get Blue Cross coverage for her. She has medications that take up, uh, I think he said between... A thousand and two thousand dollars a month, and the only way he can afford them is to keep working, because she can't she can't work obviously. And uh, with the with the changes you made regarding the age, she can't um, he can't uh, qualify for Alberta Blue Cross for her. So I was just wondering what uh, why you figured it was necessary to change the age requirement on the Blue Cross and. Uh, what you can do to uh, help this person out. Okay, thank you. So th the answer is that that w was a benefit uh, for seniors. And so when we were looking at how we could uh, operate more efficiently, because we were running an $8 billion structural deficit, we had to find some savings. And one area we looked at was uh, limiting access to that seniors benefit to seniors. Um, and so, you know, maybe this is if we get some sustained surpluses, something we can come back and, and look at, it, uh, take a second look at. Um, if, if, Wayne, if I could, I'd just like to circle back to, um, it was John's earlier question about diabetes. I found this specific thing uh, to which I was referring on August of last year year 2021 and i'm quoting from diabetes canada the government of alberta recently changed its reimbursement policy to increase access to diabetes supplies including needles syringes lancets blood glucose blood ke uh, ketone and urine testing strips 
Um, plan members on insulin are eligible for coverage up to $2,400 each benefit year. They much improved change from the original $600 per year. So I hope that John uh, can, can find that information online and see if he qualifies for that enhanced benefit. All right, we're going to go to Bill now on the phones. Go ahead, Bill. Yes, hello. Is that the Premier? Yes, Bill. Yeah, I have a a question for you regarding the uh, our economic advantage of being part of Canada, because what I listened to your uh, phone in last night, and and your main response was that if we ever tried to separate, it would cause such economic damage to us that uh, we we would all suffer greatly. But I've been through a number of these economic downturns and. Nobody from the East has ever helped us. Uh, you know, I, I go back to the 1930s, and uh, Alberta had the default on their debt mm-hmm. because the feds wouldn't help us. In Eastern Canada during the 50s and 60s wouldn't buy our oil because it was too expensive. And then the NEP came. All right. We have to uh, cut short. Uh, we've got about 30 seconds left. Uh, Mr. Okay. Kenny, if you could respond. Yeah, I, I think I know where Bill is going there. There's there's no doubt about it. We've gotten a raw de- deal through our history. We continue to put about $20 billion more into Ottawa's coffers from our federal taxes, and we get back in transfers and benefits. And that's why we are fighting for a fair deal. It's why we um, had the referendum on equalization to increase our leverage. It's why we're looking at repatriating our own provincial pension plan, provincial police. It's why we have fought with some success to get a lift on the fiscal st- a cap of, of for the fiscal stabilization program um and Kenny, we, we we've got to wrap things up all right so yep yeah, i'm sorry that's a whole five minute answer i can't get to but thank you for the question bill premier kenny thanks for joining us today and we will do this again next saturday morning at this same time really I- appreciate it thanks wayne i'm wayne nelson and you've been listening to your province your premier